0: I'm going to put in there. Right. It. Okay, okay. so um, oh, right? <laughs> morning all. Um All right, Hello. sure. So doesn't help. I got emotional in worship now. i am going to <laughs> share a bit. Um, <clears throat> thanks, Stefan. Um, all right. So, something that's been on my heart, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite thankful to have the opportunity to share a little bit here today. Um, we've been doing the This Is Church course recently, and for me, it's meant a lot. It's, it's really, really encouraging to be part of a church where where we say collectively, we want to just get the right things right and just highlight again the importance of church and it's, I know I'm learning a lot from that and it's just highlighting again what we have here and I just want to say we've got something special here. I, I really think there's something special within Josh's and I'm thankful to be part of this family. Um, one specific thing that that's, I've been wrestling with for the fa- uh, past probably three or four weeks is the winds of culture. So something Andrew mentioned was saying that there's this wind of culture that's, that's blowing in a certain direction. And he actually gave this picture of these trees in, in the Cape, where they're all kind of leaning in one direction because the wind keeps coming from from the southeast and growing in one direction. and. The, the the winds of culture will influence us and, and it'll it'll cause us to maybe grow in a certain direction if 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 we allow it to. And one of one of the things that was mentioned there and I want to just read that verse again um, so it's in one Corinthians five verses one to two. So This is now Paul speaking to the Church of Corinth. He says, It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and the kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man that has a father's wife, you are arrogant, ought you not to rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. And so there's this piece here, also a a little bit later on, that, that also talks about almost like a boastfulness. Within this, and I remember when when Andrew mentioned this, I thought to myself, how how can you, how would you in in that situation look at this and kind of say that's okay, this is boastful, and then when you look at the the culture of how what what the Church of Corinth was in, and Corinth was in, it's it's a a place where this sexual immorality was the norm. There was this temple of Aphrodite and this prostitution that, and, and then suddenly you realize if that's the norm, then you kind of justify that within the faith. And it made me sit back and think if they thought this was okay and sort of like boast in the grace that it's okay to sleep with your father's wife and sort of boast in the grace of God in this, what what am I missing? And I I noticed there's quite a few things that I'm influenced by and I, I just... I, I, I just want to share some of these things that either myself or' things that I'm seeing around you know within the church and outside of the church and the and the point is not to say to nitpick and say this is this is this and this is that and make a big theology out of it, but it's really just to check our hearts and say, how can we stand straight in the wind of culture that's pretty strong? How do we grow up straight and where sometimes it's that awareness of, Oh, I realise I'm I'm bending quite a lot here, and there's a few areas in, in, that I noticed that I'm actually very bent because of the culture. So, the first one um, is um, so. Just 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 interest sake, if if I, I'd love to hear when I say cultural influences. Is there something that comes to mind that you guys feel is a cultural influence? Just like a word or something. Interesting. Entertainment. Sport on a Sunday. Sport on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Music. <sighs> 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 Music. Status. Status. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. And so I I looked at some of these and I just in two sort of categories. One is uh, faith personally and the other one is corporately, how it affects us. And so on the on the personal side, um, I think there's a temptation from the culture to have a very self-centered faith, and um, so there's a couple of areas that that I want to share. And so the first one is uh, being very feelings-based, um, where you know how how did church make me feel today? How did worship make me feel? Or if I come to church, you know, is is the kids' church okay? Or was what did the band play okay? Or it, it's almost. This, um, this, how does it feel and also this is something that I struggled with uh, quite a while back around feeling close to God because there was a time where I, I felt very close to God and then I went through a very difficult time where the feelings disappeared and it was important for me to learn that God is there despite of how I feel Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful about all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, feelings aren't bad. I mean, God created them. And it's it's, it's such a wonderful thing when we experience God's love and we actually feel that. But the heart behind this is, are we searching that? Are we searching that feeling? Are Are we leaving here saying, how did it make me feel? How does it, how do I feel after this? What, is it building me up? Rather than you are God. You are worthy. As we were singing, "How great is our God?" He is great. Not not how does it make me feel? It's not my gospel. How it makes me feel. And so, um, we have we've got a we've got a good friend who, who shared a um a live link recently. There was there was an event of uh, that they just wanted to share with some family and friends. And it's a church that's very close to my heart. And I won't mention the name, but I was part of the church maybe fifteen years ago. A long time ago and it's I I love the church and I love the people within the church but it was really for me a sad thing to to view this and to see how the worship songs were all about me it was like a TED talk of how to be a better me and so we went to the statement of faith and we just thought sure maybe this was just a one-off there was not a single mention of Christ in Jesus, and a statement of faith, this is something that you think about to say, this is what we stand for. But there were wonderful things like, we are city changers. We are people to make a difference. It was almost this, we have this purpose, but there's nothing about Christ. There's nothing about... Um, it. Was, and and, and it, 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 it was a scary realization of, um, I don't remember it being like that. Maybe it was like that, and I was bending with the culture, but... Or it slid like that through the influence of culture. And, and I'm not here to share about that church and this church and that, but um, and that church is dear to my heart because, like I say, there was a lot of, that's where I come from, but I think it's important for us to look at ourselves and say, are we also getting bent in that direction? Are we also feeling like, where's the wind blowing me? Am I starting to f- see what it does for me, rather than for, for, for God, living for Christ? Now, the other thing is busyness of life. This one hit me pretty hard, because I find myself in this constantly. Mark 4, verse 17 to 19. Actually, if we go to 18 there, it says, and others, um, others are um, the, the ones sown among the thorns, They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of the world, seefulness of riches and desires for things to enter in choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And having having a bunch of kids and being in the workplace and and, and and there's just so much going on. And the worst is the moment we have gaps, we fulfill it with that entertainment. Somebody mentioned your yeah, entertainment. It's like we've got the off time almost justified. Now we fill ourselves again. Everything is so easy to just fill our time. And what does it say? It's at the bottom it says, it proves unfruitful. We will be unfruitful if we are caught up in the busyness of life. It's The seeds are there. We hear it, but the thorns, the things of the world are going to choke it and we're not going to grow. And so this, this is one that's, yeah, got a deep conviction for me because I, I find myself in a good space and before I know it, the busyness of life has just derailed me again. The... Third thing is transactional gain. Now, I, it's I, I don't know how to put it in better words. I I couldn't find the right word to describe this, but it's a view that what do I get from my faith with Christ? What what is in it for me? And I know the first things that may pop up is is financial prosperity. There's a prosperity teaching, um, or or health. Maybe you know. Let's name and claim. It's 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 there for me. But it's not. I just want to to make sure it's not a it's not a thing of saying God's not a provider. He certainly is. It's it's not to say God doesn't heal. He certainly does, and he's he's healed. There's a lot of healings in the in the Bible. There's a lot that we see within the church as well. It's the heart posture behind it. Do I say, Lord? I'm coming to you because I want to be healed. Or like Mike Davies was saying about the hope to say, Lord, in my sickness, in my health, you are the Lord. I will follow you in the sickness. I will follow you in the health. I will follow you when there's lack and I will follow you when there's plenty. And I think that's a subtle heart difference. I I, I don't want to make it sound like, no, let's throw those things out. God is a provider and we've seen that. You know, sometimes when we're really desperate and we ask, and He comes through financially, He comes through in 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 terms of healings. But sometimes He also doesn't, and we've got to endure, and we endure together. And um, our heart posture is, "You are, You are our God." Regardless, that will not dictate. It's not about me again. It's not that self-centered view of, of uh, what what do I get out of it. The third bit of from the from the transactional gain in a way. What, you know, what do I get from it? It's an interesting one um, that I'd never thought of that, that I, I just realized. So it's, it's almost a sense of justice. And, and maybe it doesn't affect everybody. I've, I've seen it uh, within my own heart. And I've, I've seen it with uh, some, some people around where there's this thought that I've been treated unjustly, God will restore me. Where it's been unjust. so whether it's, um, I will keep keep firm to the faith, and God will make right the wrongs that were done, and I I, I don't think I don't I, I think that's not good, because what we're saying is we we want to almost say God will vindicate in this world, God will vindicate us in this life, but what about the martyrs who who I mean who die for their faith? There's no vindication for them in this life, you know, or or those who are thrown in prison for his name's sake and maybe die in prison. Um, if we look at uh, Matthew 38 to 41 and, you know, whether it's being untreated unfairly in the workplace and maybe, um, you know, there's a somebody steals something from us and we feel like, you know, there's got to be something that the locusts have stolen, I need to get back. It, um, you have heard it been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. <coughs> I almost want to say the word that embodies this in the culture now I think is the word karma. Um, it's it's kind of like you're going to get what you deserve. And that is sort of influencing um, I believe our faith in some way. We, we're going to get what we deserve. And and we do so treasures in heaven when we, we, we do this. But it's that You have heard it being said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But what does Jesus say? Do not resist the one who is evil. If he slaps you on the right cheek, what does it say? Slap him on the left? No, it says turn the other cheek. And it says, it's it's not saying that ask me and I will make right and slap, get somebody else to slap him on the cheek. It's a a sense of he's going to get away with injustice. It's, it's, It's not ours to seek the justice in this life in that sense. Anyone wants to see you. I, and I want to paraphrase here. Yeah, if anyone wants to unjustly see you. Um, and take away your tuning. let little bit of a as well. Anyone forces wants to you go one mile. Go with him two miles. There's something about God's kingdom saying. It's not about justice. It's not about like the world would call it karma. That we need to right the wrongs. And you deserve a certain thing. And a good person. You're going to get what you deserve. Sometimes. We may look at this life and say, sure, somebody who lived faithfully is going to suffer till the end. But great will be their reward in heaven if they stay true and keep running their race. And and the so um, and I think why this is this is important as well, especially for us to realize that is I believe it it opens the door for disappointment in Christ. And if this is the gospel we're bring to people to say, uh, God will bless you if, you if you just trust in him God will heal you if you just God will this God will that and it, we, we said to president that he's going to do something for you if you believe in him I think I think there's a bit, big risk of people falling away because of disappointment but God didn't come through for me what about my mom that died and I prayed for her what about this you know what about that it's it's not putting Christ first I follow Christ for who he is not for what I get from it and um, so the last one is the in- independent. Um, so, maybe not as much with, uh, with, within the church, but I have quite a few friends that I, that I know, and, and I, I had a little phase of myself where I went through this. Is we don't need the church. I, I am the church. I'm a Christian. I am part of the church, the local church. It's not really that important. And, but the church is God's vehicle to expand the kingdom. And I'm loving this, this is church series. And there's so much on this. I'm not going to go too detailed there because I think most of us are in those sessions. But um, it really is a place where we get to grow. We get to love each other. We get to learn to love each other as broken people and be loved as well. There's the, the, the spiritual gifts get uh, get moved within the church. There's accountability. There's reaching the lost. Somebody brings somebody in, and there's a community that surrounds. There's so much good that comes from that. And I think not having that and um, having the mentality that it's just me and Jesus, and you know I'm going to do it solo, is there's a risk of isolation. And in Proverbs 18 verse one to two, excuse me, it says. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all self-judgment. The fool takes no vision, understanding, but only expressing his own opinion. And I think that is that is that is quite quite true. I think we we quickly can become deceived if if we find ourselves running solo. We have no accountability. There's nobody that we are accountable to that is walking with us, saying, "Hey, I think I think we're bending now. I think." This, this isn't quite right um, I, have a, I have a very close friend who um, who I think about eight to ten years ago or so I was I was in a workplace where I was struggling with a lot of guys were were hammering me about um, you know the big Bang and things like that evolution and I was I was the only Christian in the workplace at that stage and being fairly you know, I felt mobbed in some way, like these guys ganged up on me a little bit around the coffee time. I, I started losing a lot of confidence in, in the word and a lot of confidence in Christianity. And I, I, I remember feeling um, silly for believing this. Almost like, and I remember a good friend of mine who, was, who had a lot of the answers to the questions I had and these things. And he gave me that faith again to say, Oh wait, hang on. There's a lot of evidence to point that Jesus is true. And it just gave me that confidence again to stand up and say, um, you know, in the difficult times. But unfortunately, this friend, so he's he's a friend close to my heart as well, also off, doesn't do church, you know. I think he got offended with the church at some point, and he has sees it a certain way, he doesn't see it anywhere being played out that way, so he's running solo. And I saw him again after not having seen him for a few years. And it was sad for me to see how cold he had grown towards his faith. You know, the conversations were all about career and where he's going and what. And then, you know, conversations about God just kind of simmered out. And there was no love or no passion. And and I realized that the isolation for so long had actually grown grown, and made his heart grow cold. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. But from a, from a from a collective like that, that's a faith of how, how is culture bending me in terms of my faith and how I see God and how do I do I look at Christ and say you are all regardless or is it what, what do I get from it? How do I feel? But there's also a collective thing and um I, I've labeled it as, there's this inclusive or accommodating sort of wind that's blowing. And this one is hard for me because it hit me smack bang that I have been, um, I've, I've I've fallen for this and I hadn't realized how, how heavily. so. One thing that Willem once shared with, with, with a bunch of us, and I, I think he won't mind sharing because he did share it in a, a wider context. So he mentioned um, he was in a, another church doing some leadership, and the one day the pastor phoned him and he was um, he was out skating and he had a little bit too much to drink, and the pastor realized, oops, um, you know, oh sorry, sorry, and he was very apologetic and he left it at that. And Willem said he was disappointed that. It was never spoken about. He never asked them, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? You know, just check in. And there was it was almost like, okay, that's your thing, you know, what you do on Saturdays, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna step in and interfe- intervene. And it, it got me thinking, and there was a time as just after school, I was young and passionate for 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 God, running with a bunch of amazing young other other young men that we were keeping each other accountable and really going all out for Christ. And one of the things that we held each other accountable for and we really believed it was um, you know our uh, sexual purity before for marriage and we we would you know keep each other accountable daily to say how's it going especially you know when the guys got the girlfriends and things and and it was really a blessing. What and what I mean with that is uh, why I'm bringing this up is it was such a strong conviction for us that it's important to share this, to check in with each other. But then, I mean, one day there was a couple that came in and now they were living together. Right? And they had been living together for many, many years and they were kind of in the circle now. Not one of us ever said anything to them. We were so convicted of this thing. It meant so much to us. But now somebody else comes in and it's sort of like... You know, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, we're not going to go there. Because I remember thinking, I don't think this is right, but they've been living together for, I think at that stage, it was six years or something. If I say something now, he's either going to leave or they're going to break up because they're going to have an awkward conversation they're going to have to move out and I might just destroy a, a relationship. Or I might just twist their arm and pressure them into getting married, and then maybe the marriage falls apart, and then I feel bad because I feel like I pressured them. I remember feeling that ultimatum saying, I, I just can't do this. And to make things worse, it's, I mean, so it's not its not non-Christians. These are people within the church. I just want to make that clear. It's very different if someone doesn't believe. And and Paul also mentions that in, in 1 Corinthians 6, where he, he does talk about that. But to make it worse, there was a family family member that I had seen again at a wedding, first time in many years. Um, also a Christian, and he had brought his girlfriend and introduced me. and He's like, "Oh no, um, this is this is my girlfriend, whatever." And I asked him, "Where does he live these days?" Because I hadn't seen him in sure, ten years or so. And and he's like, "Oh no, he lives there." And I asked her, "Where do you live?" He's like, "No, with him," you know. And I remember saying, oh, that's cool, that's awesome, like, and not only was I, I was actually saying, this is awesome, that's great, yeah, yeah. And, and I found myself thinking, what on earth am I doing? Like, why am I, I, I don't believe that this is good, all right, and yet here I am kind of saying, it's good. And I know this is hard, because we I know so many people who are there, and I i find it so difficult to kind of go there and and say, let's let's look at the word. Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Holding each other accountable within the church? Because I don't want to offend. I I'm am I'm I'm accommodating, and I think I think this is this is this is a big one I'm wrestling with, and I'm 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 more aware of it now than I was before. But it to what degree does love say I? Because love is also being able to go there and to say, I'm, I'm willing to risk the relationship for this. The last sort of part within the church, um, or, or a, 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 a more corporate context, is relativism. I'm, I'm nervous about this one, especially for our kids, um, for the next generation. And there's no objective truth. That relativism, it means that truth is what you make it to be. There's no right or wrong. this is my truth and that's your truth. Cool, cool, cool. That's what you believe. That's great. That's your truth. Yes. It's real for you. And it's, I see it a lot within, we've got a lot of youngsters in our industry that come in and you know, there's a lot of the use of the word, the universe, you know, um, positive energy to the universe. And um, and, and then, then when you share God with them, it's like, yeah, 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 the universe, God, yeah, we're the same. We're the same. And then they say, yeah, like like with the Muslims, it's Allah, yeah, we're all the same. We're all the same, different paths. And it's so easy to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that inclusive, again, mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we want to include. We want to say, yeah, we're the same. We're the same. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. And we, we can't compromise on that because... If that is the objective truth, one day, no matter how I feel, when I stand before a righteous judge and I say, Well, I don't have Jesus on my side, I, I it's he's not gonna say, Okay, but yeah, you know, okay, for you the truth was different. There's he is a righteous judge, he is the righteous, the, the a good judge, he is the good father, but we need Jesus to stand before him holy. And um, the problem with this, um, I, th- I feel as well, if we start to be relative about truth, and we kind of, okay, they, yeah, we all interpret things differently, and I know there's some areas in the Bible that are difficult and we interpret them differently, but um, the problem with relativism is it takes away authority. It takes away authority of the Word. The Word says this, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's, that's your view. This is my view. My truth is different. And then we justify our our conscience and we sear our conscience which means without a conscience we don't have a need for a saviour and the gospel becomes useless in a way. And um, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 to 10. Do you not know that unrighteous do not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral adulterers, adulterers Neither practice homosexuality, or thieves, nor theft, nor greed, nor drunkenness, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God.
1: Now, this is a hard one in
0: today's in today's age because a bunch of these are seen as okay, and some of them are celebrated. And I do, I do think this is important for us to stand stand firm in the winds of culture here, and. It, it may cost us more than we would like to at some stage, but I, I do feel we need to encourage each other to stay strong and run the race well on this. Um, I've had a few encounters around the, the homosexuality thing in the workplace, and it, while there wasn't a consequence like getting locked up or anything like that, it, there's been a lot of ridicule and being called, sort of like being labeled as somebody who hates or like hate speech and that. And I'm nervous about that because I, I want to accommodate everything inside of me wants to just accept, but we need we need each other to to stand to stand firm and say what is right, what is good, and where do we stand? Because when you stand straight and everyone else is bending, that person standing straight will stand out, and it will draw people towards us. We'll be like a light on the hill that that's not hidden, but it will also draw attention uh, from people who may want to do harm. And I just I just want to encourage I know this is a heavy it sounds very heavy but I think it is important for us to encourage each other to say to to look at our own, own hearts and say where is culture bending me, where am I compromising on the love of Christ because it takes away from the power of the gospel, the man who sold the field to get the treasure that treasure is real and it's there for us the moment we water that down to accommodate people, it's not such a real treasure anymore. People, we can't, what, what do we give to people then? It, it's, it's, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'd like to end it off there and just, if, if we can just close our eyes and, and just, just, just pray. So, Lord, i um, thank you for your word thank you for for the church thank you for family thank you for for your holy spirit <laughs> without your holy spirit we would be lost thank you that you teach you guide you convict now pray lord that that in this where culture the winds of culture is blowing in a certain direction and it's 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 blowing quite hard and the tendency is for us to, to justify it, to, to sort of run after our own kingdom and carry you on the side in a box. Lord, help us to just just show us there where where we are missing it, so that we can chase your kingdom first, and that that the things that we do and the things in our lives are secondary to your kingdom, that we seek first the kingdom of God, all your righteousness, and and, Lord, that you will provide, as it says, all these things will be added to you. And all these things it talks about, Lord, is is your provision, what you will eat and drink and where you will stand, and what, um, what you will wear. Your provision will be there when we search for your kingdom. Help us to stay strong. Keep us accountable. But will convict us there where we're justifying sin and allowing that into the church to corrupt us, into our own lives. We don't want to be the dead church, as Andrew mentioned, um we, the, of the various churches in Revelation. We don't want to be a dead church or a, a, an accommodating church that accommodates sin. And, and like a little bit of leaven, you know, it spoils the whole bread. Lord, help us to stay straight in this wind of culture. And thank you. Thank you for for just Josh Chen, our local church. Thank you that. Um, that we are getting together and just re- relooking at what what church is, and just just making sure we're on the same page, so that we are not deceived that we are not led astray. Um, I'm thankful to be part of this, and I pray that you will continue to lead us as a church as a whole, lead us individually day to day, and um, and help us to identify where we've been tainted by the through the lens of culture. Amen. Thanks, all. I I I, I think. For me, I think this is one of the important ones to take with into our comm groups and our small groups. And just, if I can encourage at some stage, you know, whether it's just with somebody you trust or a friend, just, just have a think about where we, where you feel that culture has influenced your walk with Christ. And hold that accountability with someone. And say, I feel I'm bending in this regard, and I'd like to straighten up here. Um and with that accountability, we can check in with each other, and we can we can just see are oh, are we deceived at all? Are we are we in line with what we have? We need that each other because we we don't always see our own faults. And
1: going through this, I realized
0: excuse me, I realized how much I was bending in certain areas that I hadn't noticed until I sat down and thought about it. And I and uh, yeah, so yeah, just encourage you guys because this isn't just a. We're 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 all straight now. I think this is one that we have to walk and and um, just just do this well to to run the race to the end. And um, one of one of the things where I realize endurance to the end in matters is um, it's a maybe a silly example, but I was I was a big fan of Big Rules. I love that oak and um, <laughs> you know, he was, at some stage, kicked from Discovery for contractual agreements, and the rumor was it was about his faith that he shared about God too much, and Discovery Channel didn't like it. Right or wrongly, I, I don't know. And I, I respected him for that. And recently we saw, now, again, um, he showed up on National Geographic, and I was so excited. And showed the boys, yeah, this oak. I even have a knife of bagels, Like, I I was a big fanboy, so... <laughs> um, and he, he had bent with the culture and he was out there with somebody advocating, you know, the, the LGBTQ community and saying things like they're sowing positive energy into the universe and good things will come their way. And I just realized he's in an environment where it's so much stronger maybe than some of us are, but he was bent, he got bent and there's still hope for him. But I just realized again, it's not about a moment of standing strong. It's about standing strong continuously. Having, like Mark Davies mentioned, the hope in eternity. Keeping that hope. And, and just having people around us to say, oh, am I bending? Am I not? Am I okay? Um, and to help each other in that for the long run. To run the race to the end. So one day, Jesus will say, my good and faithful servant. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Niels. I think when you look at a bent tree, you're seeing a tree that's about to fall at some point.